G'day, Ori. All good? <laughs> All good, mate. All okay. good. All right, this is the uh, pilot, um, our first episode of Mick and Ori Classic Cars. We're just a couple of enthusiasts. We don't buy and sell cars. Uh, we'd like to buy and, and not sell. We're just enthusiasts. Uh, Ori's in the mid-40s. I'm in the early 60s. And away we go. Ori, tell me something. Tell me. All right. Ask me. Ask me. Okay. In terms of classic cars, we're talking cars up to what sort of era? I think uh, it has to be in the 2000s. Nothing over 2000. I reckon that could be the mark. Okay. 2000 and under. Around the 2000 for uh, classics and modern classics. Modern classics. We'll call them modern classics. Because... What is it now? To be considered a classic, it's got to be 35 years or more, correct? Uh, to register a car as a classic, it has to be 35 as years a, or older. As a historic registration historic in registration. South Australia? Yeah, it's got to be 30, 30 years, I think. 30. Yeah. They did talk about changing it to 25, but my understanding it's still 30. So that means 1990 yeah. Yeah. is considered a classic. That's right. So if we okay. go into the 2000s, yeah. early 2000s... That's a modern classic. That's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. Okay. So... In terms of classic cars, why why buy one? Why have one? I mean, is it a daily driver that you want? Is it that you want to take it on track days? Uh, the, the thing is, when you buy anything, you've got to find a reason of why you're having it. I think when you buy a car like that, you're not actually setting out to buy a classic. I never set out to buy a classic. And maybe we should tell you know, the listeners what, what I own. I recently purchased a 2360 Modena. Yep. So gated shifter, gated of course. Gated shifter, absolutely. Perfect. Took us years, five years uh, looking, but we finally found the right one. And I think it comes. It's it's a axis of being able to afford a vehicle and the age of the vehicle. What I didn't set out to buy a classic or a modern classic, if that makes any sense. Because if we did set out to do that, I'm going to go buy a two fifty short wheelbase. <laughs> That's that classic. might be on the touch on the high side in terms <laughs> yeah, of expense. Yeah, understand what I'm saying? So I think it comes down to where people can afford to get into the market and what their budget is to do that. And generally it's the older Ferraris or the older Porsches or whatever they're looking for that they can actually afford to get into. And hence, they're modern classics. And I think it's also something that you are passionate about. So when you look at a, a classic car or a car in any manner is... Is it a particular brand you want? Is it a nationality of car? All those sorts of things. Now, now I remember myself, I've been collecting uh, newspaper articles from 1980s, uh, buying a Ferrari, and collected that many books and articles and things. And finally, my wife said, look, if you don't buy one quick, you won't be able to get in one and and drive it because you won't be able to get in and out because you'll be too old. So did you set out knowing what model you wanted to buy though? Or did you say, I want to buy a Ferrari? That's the basis. It's definitely going to be Italian. Yeah. definitely going to be Ferrari. We're Ferrariistas. We're passionate. We're Italian-blooded. That's what we want. That's a boy, that's a boy dream, right? We want to buy that. For me, what it was is, number one, I had, I've got three kids and the kids were young and... Um, I wanted something that was number one was a V12. I wanted a front engine 12, all right? But I'd never bought a Ferrari before, and so I've only I've had this one here, which is a, a 456 GT, which is a 2 plus 2. Manual, of course, gated shifter, front engine V12, and I was looking for a 2 plus 2, mainly because 
I wanted it to be able to take the kids for a drive or drop them off at someone's place so we can go for a drive, one of those yeah. things. So then when you look at that then, two plus two, there was a budget, obviously you set there yourself. Was a set, I set myself a budget, yes. How many Ferraris, two plus two, were in the market at that time that you could have selected yeah. from? Well, it took me about a year and... I drove various, so I drove the 365 GT 2 Plus 2, yeah. which is a 1970 or 72, I can't remember. That was, they called the Queen Mary, quite a big car. Yeah. Um, that was just above my budget. Uh, we're talking 2010 here. However, there was a few things, you know, that needed to be done. And because I hadn't had one before, uh, you know, right, I was man. concerned about who fixes it, who deals with it. So I drove that, uh, a 365 GTC 4 which was a 72, that's the sister of a, a Daytona, the more luxury model, that was a 2 plus 2, and also a 330 GT 2 plus 2, okay. which was a bit of a big car. And uh, so I settled on, I drove a couple of 456 GTs, one that Jeremy Clarkson test drove as well, and uh, that was a bit more modern, so I was a bit more I was more comfortable with something that's probably more reliable. Yeah. So those first three cars you mentioned, they were all classics. They, they were already classics. They were already classics. Yeah, definitely already classics. Yeah. yeah. And I must admit, both the 365 GT2 Plus 2 and the 365 GTC4 were very good to drive. And now, in hindsight, and I know we're not going to talk values, yeah. and, but they've, they've gone through the roof. They have certainly increased more than... From when you were looking yeah, at them. Certainly have increased. However, in all of those three cars that I drove, they would have had to have some work done to them. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you've got to... It, there's always this discussion, if you're buying a classic car, it's really buy the best one you can, not one that you... You know, that's assuming that you don't want one so to did you uh, get, restore. Did you get PPIs done on those other cars or you didn't get that to that stage yet? No, I didn't get a PPI. Now, PPI is a pre-purchase inspection. I only got that on the 456 GT. Because that's the one. Because I honed in on that. And that that was a very good experience because we picked the right person and you do that by word of mouth and find out who... Uh, who to do that sort of thing and he was very good and you know it took a few months by the time you check it out agree to a price and then you know the dealer does some things or private whatever you buy yeah okay so, so you got that you've now ticked the box you've got a two plus two you can take your family the boys can go in it fantastic what then made you decide i need a different ferrari now Okay. I need something not 2 plus 2. I want traditional Ferrari. Yeah. Well, I haven't got a traditional one. So I ended up always wanted a Carby one as well. Okay. I had the opportunity to buy one which was uh, very run down and good value for money from that point of view. So I bought a, a 77 uh, Dino 308 GT4. Really a lot of fun with it. I've done rallies on it and things like that, but it had to be tidied up. So. And that's because you wanted a Carby car. Yeah. Or a Carby uh, Ferrari. Yeah. And it was also, I was looking, but not seriously looking, but it came up at the right sort of dollars. Uh, well, better than the right sort of dollars, but it was, uh, as I said, it was a little bit rough, but I didn't mind it being a bit rough because I'd already had uh, the 456 GT. That was that was pretty good. And you've hence, since, added to the 308 GT. <laughs> yeah, so I've got another 308 GT4, and that's a 74, and that came up by... Uh, 
by coincidence, I suppose, and I took the opportunity for that one, yeah. You're rebuilding that blue one. Oh, the blue one, unfortunately, with one of the rallies, uh, I came off the road a little bit with my co-driver and uh, we hit, hit a fence post, did a bit of damage on the front, finished the rally. There was a Target Tasmania in 19... No, two, 2019. I was able to finish the rally, but with the front end uh, not looking that good. And at the moment, it's in. The, we're doing a full nut and bolt restoration. So yeah, those cable ties weren't weren't standard. I don't no, think the, the, the cable front. ties holding the, the front. No, it didn't work too good. Yeah. So I think that car there now that it's getting, we can say nut and bolt. It that is a nut and bolt nut for and sure. Bolt yeah. It's much probably going to be one of the best 308 GT4. It'll be up there in terms of quality of. Uh, restoration there's no doubt so you know we talk about that so you mentioned those other three classics that you looked at there's a bit of work to do but in hindsight now that you've been a ferrari owner for over a decade you're tinkering you're spending money on them now anyhow so in hindsight do you think you made the wrong choice not buying those older classics or was it just that fact of the unknown of owning a ferrari and how much it actually costs to own a ferrari because there's that misconception i think out there where people think oh ferrari costs too much can't own it it's too much maintenance too much service something goes wrong i'm going to be up for thousands i think the trick is exactly what you've said is um it is a bit of a misconception but you do have to find number one the right car and to know what you really want it for and number two is the right person to work on your car if you're not mechanically minded you need a decent uh, mechanic be it the dealer or an independent and more than likely because it's an older car it's more the independents deal with it because it gets fiddly and otherwise it can get quite expensive and with these modern classics and classics you want someone that's actually grown up fixing them servicing them knowing those cars when they were new yeah when they came through their workshops when they were new and so we're lucky enough to use uh, mario lambrusciano veloce motorsport who has seen Pretty much most Ferraris, if not all, Ferraris come through his workshop and through his hands. And the good thing about someone like that, they're very passionate about the cars, not just about their job. So, And they're mindful of the client that they're dealing with, what sort of client they've got on how they deal with the car and, you know, knowing that, look, they'll want that extra done or not and keep you informed. So it's excellent choice. I think you touch on something there because... Anyone that knows us, we may be a little bit anal or yeah, fussy. Maybe you more than me. <laughs> I definitely am. And so, you, correct, we've seen a lot of Ferraris. We've been lucky enough to see a lot of Ferraris. And there's some that are looked after and you know they are loved. And there's some that are just being used and that's great and that's what the people want them for. They're not as fussy as what we are. We almost probably wouldn't own that car if it was ours because it's so rough. How do you judge what, you know, people own Ferraris, but then there's those passionate people that, you know, every nut, every screw has to be in the same direction. Yeah. And then you've got someone that says, no, I'll just use it or drive it. You know, it's a car. You're spot on. It is, It is in the end, it is just a car. And people have it for various reasons. Some have had it, we've been in, the, we're members of the Ferrari Club, uh, the South Australian Ferrari Club, and, you know, you get a variety of people there that, you know, some just want the latest and get the newest and they can order the colour stitching and things like that. And some, we've got a couple there that one's got a, you know, a 308 GT4, drives it, starts every time, and, you know, he's had it for, I don't know, 30, probably 30 or 40 years and oh, absolutely loves it. Our friend that owns the Mondial. That That's right. That he loves Correct. it. You know? He loves it. You know? So it really... You know, because people say which model's better and which one. Well, 
you know, it's not only in case of Ferraris, but any sorts of car. Someone will have a Morris Minor and have a great time with it. Go to club meetings, do the Birdwood Run or or whatever. Go to the uh, Sunday, you know, Chrome and Classics or Coffee and Cars. It, it's it's all about that experience and the drives maybe that you go on. How do you use it? How do yeah. you enjoy it? Yeah. And some enjoy them. No, we know people, we know Ferrari owners that do not want to drive their cars. They are garage queens. Yeah. You know, they're and not really enjoying them, but they may be enjoying them because they've owned it and they look at it in their garage and that's what they want that's from the vehicle. It's a sense of achievement, I suppose, with the Ferrari. And I suppose when I looked at buying one, it is a boyhood passion and a dream. And being able to finally achieve that dream is quite satisfying. And you are a little bit scared. You mentioned, you know, mid-40s. I still think I'm quite young to be able to, you know, aspire and own something like that. So sometimes I'm a little bit reluctant to drive it too. What am I doing? You know, have I really earned my stripes to be able to drive a vehicle of this nature? So I I always find it funny when people don't actually enjoy them. Yeah, they've got them, but... Yeah, well, they enjoy it for different reasons. Some enjoy it as a piece of art, all right? And then also some of them enjoy them and they're conscious about putting kilometres on them because it would devalue. Does it uh, devalue? Does it, honestly, does it devalue? Well, I think if a car's been looked after, they say that the ones with higher mileage, if they've been looked after, serviced and driven, uh, are possibly better cars because otherwise things deteriorate if you don't drive them. So they're certainly a piece of art, but... You still have to take it in for your yearly correct. service. Doesn't matter if you yeah. haven't driven or driven it. A lot of people keep them in the garage. The yearly service comes around and think, I haven't driven the car, so I don't, I don't need actually need to service yeah, it. Yeah. That is a, another misconception, a fallacy, because you need to service them because the oils, the rubbers, everything's going to be deteriorating, not sitting there. It's like a set of tyres, I suppose. That's exactly right. I mean, yeah. uh, as, as we get to know that any tyres are over a certain amount of years, they go very hard and really they've got to be replaced whether they've got a lot of tread on them or not. Yeah, so that's if you're driving the car or not driving the car. So, you know, in the realm of classic cars, there's so many different cars. I mean, if you go on Sundays to these car shows, South Australia, I think, per head, have got the, you know, one of the really up there in terms of cars, you know, American muscle cars, Australian cars, all sorts of classic cars. Really, cars per head per capita, we've got most of them. We've got a lot, yeah. And I mean, if you're getting into classic cars, and you don't know really what you like, one of them is to go to these shows, speak to some of the people there that have got cars that you might like, and uh, maybe join them before you actually buy a car, you know, and who are you going to use it with? You're going to take your family, it's just your mate, you know, are you going to travel interstate with a car? Do you want it to keep up with city traffic? You know, there's a lot, a lot of questions to ask, and, you know, if you're buying a second one, or even the first one, you know, you've got to ask yourself, what extra enjoyment am I going to have by buying this car is it going to teach me anything you know is it so you've really got to ask yourself a lot of questions rather than i just saw it there and i bought it but that that happens a bit too so i think you look at usability like you said your 456 is a lot more user friendly than my 360 yeah well the two plus two you've got two extra people three people you can put in your car can only put one and it's actually a daily driver even though the 360 is actually quite user friendly well, the 360, in terms of a, a modern classic, that'd be one that you could drive every day. Yeah. Uh, depends where you're going, but you know you wouldn't want to just go through the city and stay in the city with it. But it's one that's easy serviceable. You don't have to take the engine out to service it. It's got all the modern conveniences without having all the bells and whistles. And uh, it's a gated shift and it looks fairly modern and it also passes as you know an older one as well. 
you know, but the shapes held its uh, its own, I think. Did you contemplate, you mentioned taking the motor out to do the belts and things like that. There's some Ferraris you obviously have to, 355 comes to mind. But did that factor into your choice? It definitely did. I did not want to buy a car that uh, had to take the engine out to change the cam belts. Not that I suppose you only have to do that, you know, some people say three years, four years or whatever, but it just felt to me is a bit strange that you've got to take the whole engine out so there's two days labor irrespective of doing the service i know we when we see the engines out in the workshop at mario's yeah. we put our hands in our hair because yeah, that was my that. car we freak out because i don't know but they're experts at it but i agree I, that i get heart palpitations just seeing the engine having to come out to change some belts yeah i think yeah ferrari came a long way in th- with the 360 and then 430 obviously was chains there are no belts on the 430? No, it's just the, the chains, chains. correct. But the 360 can be done in situ. They started with the the last of the Mondiales, I think, was uh, one that you had to take the engine out, and then the Mondial, the 348, 355. 308, no, and 328, no. No, 308, 328, no. But the, the last of the... Mondiales, I think they had the longitudinal engine and they had to come out. And yeah, we mentioned you just mentioned 308, or we mentioned 308, 328. So I was thinking the other night, what what was the Ferrari? You wanted to buy a Ferrari. We know you're Italian origin, so obviously you're going to buy a Ferrari. But what was the, at what age or when did you know, you know what, this, what is this car? It's a Ferrari. I mean, we all have that experience yeah. when you first see one. What is this? You grow up with it. What was the first Ferrari that you saw that you actually finally understood at a young age and said, wow, that's a Ferrari. This is something I aspire to. This is a dream. Yeah, I must admit, I don't know if I've got a recollection of one particular car, but I know that, uh, you know, my uncle was always into Alphas and Fiat's and things like that. But the the big brother of the Alpha and Fiat was a Ferrari, Ferrari. you know. So everything had to be red, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I always aspired to a Ferrari. And when I was growing up, the 308 GT4 was one that I wanted to get. Because again, you know, knowing you're going to be a family man, having two you know, a two plus two, similar to the Porsche 911s. Okay, the back seats are not much good for a couple of people, but, you know, for little kids and that, you can you can sit someone there. So a 308 GT4, I remember looking at one on Prestige Motors uh, back in 1985 or six before I bought my little Cordia Turbo. Uh, that was 45,000. Mitsubishi 000. Cordia Turbo. Yeah, yeah. Wow, a friend of mine had one of those. Good car. Yeah, they oh, were yeah, a bit tinny, a lot of torque steer and, you know. Uh, but you don't see many on the road yeah. now because a, a lot of them, I think, got written off. But um, power to rate ratio, they were up there. Yeah, for me, I think, you know, I asked myself that question, what was the car? And I think I mentioned it the other night when we were having a coffee. The Magnum PI 308. Yeah. Obviously, as a kid, like, wow. The white Testarossa in Miami Vice, right? See, I don't remember the Daytona. Yeah, well, I do remember the Daytona. And that, to me, was... Better than the Testarossa. Yeah, it's, but for me, the Testarossa for us was like, wow, you know, my generation. Just what those about, side vents. What about the Persuaders? Didn't they, wasn't it the Persuaders or the uh, with uh, Tony Curtis and Roger Moore? Was that the Persuaders? They had the Dino 246 and the Aston Martin. Now, see, I can't remember that. And well, then the last is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. The oh, yeah. That, well, there you go. That, now, that, you get the that is some classic Ferrari. They are the three Ferraris yeah. that you think you need a Ferrari. Yeah. Well, that's at a level that really, you know, uh, you've really got to be having some real money. So as Ori said at the beginning of uh, our pilot here, that we're not really talking about investment values and, and, and things like that. So, And we're not buyers and sellers of these things we uh, yeah, we're not buying them to make a profit yeah and certainly 
it's unlikely that you do unless you're in the car game, I suppose. But some of the older ones, you know, people talk about the 250 GTO that's gone from 12... 12 million to 20 million to 40 million to 50 million but you know when you're talking about cars of that value to get the top price they are more than concourse they immaculate yeah and you look at those classics how many of those 250 i think 38 were made 38 39 something like that minimal units but and everyone goes oh they made a lot of 360s well really did they they made fifteen thousand, roughly Half of those were spiders. Then of manual gated shifters, we're talking 2,268 were made. And the then right-hand got 300 of yeah. them. All of a sudden, we're getting down to these digits that are quite low. They're rare. Yeah, yeah they're rare cars. So even even the the 456, how many did they make? I think they made 2,500 units, uh, 2,800. Nearly, nearly, yeah, 2,800 or so. That's in the world, in the scheme of things. Yeah, it's not many. You know, so... All these cars are quite rare. I think Ferrari's still are trying to maintain that 10,000 units per year, even with the new stuff coming out. So Yeah, there's certainly a lot of models coming out now. And, you know, when you look at the cars, you know, if you're talking about supercars, there's so many brilliant supercars out there now, you know, to pick the difference between one another on the track. It takes the real experts to find that difference. Well, I think you were lucky enough to visit Ferrari last year. You went to do the Corsa Pilota. Yes. Um, one question on it, and you got the f- private factory tour. Are they as passionate as classic Ferraris as the modern ones, or do they only want to talk about the modern ones, the new release stuff? There's well, well, I was driving uh, with the instructor on the track. Uh, they, you know, we start talking about things, and they all talk about the classic cars. Yeah, so they, they haven't been forgotten by they, any they means. Certainly don't. And I was a, I was lucky enough, as I said, as you said, to have a, a private tour of the factory, and I went to the um, classic department where they were rebuilding a 250 short wheelbase and they actually had that speedboat uh, they were yeah, that- fixing that up for sale um, but they had a 308 GTB in there they had all sorts of Ferraris but you could see everything's handmade and they'll make any part for you so even if you can't buy it off the shelf anymore they'll make it so it doesn't matter what car doesn't what matter Ferrari what Ferrari you got they'll make it they'll make it for you yeah They've got all the patents for all the parts. Uh, they'll they'll get it done. It might cost you a little bit, but they'll get it done. How about when we've got our friend of ours who obviously sent his F40 back to yeah. be rebuilt? Do they do that? Do they only do that to the high end no. cars? No. Can you send any car? Okay. As I said, they had a 308 GT GTB that might have been worth you know I don't know 150 thousand or whatever. Might cost them three hundred thousand to do a full restoration, but they'll do it to as long as it's a Ferrari, they'll do it. I don't think there's many car manufacturers that do that, if any. I mean, I don't know if Lamborghini do it. I don't know if Bugatti Bugatti might. I, uh, I, 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 yeah, I'm not sure. You know, it's an interesting one. Well, the classic department that Ferrari's got, I don't think has any other car manufacturer got one. No one's promoted it that I've heard of. No one talks about it. How about the certification that they give you? Yeah, that's do any other manufacturers do that? I wonder if Lamborghini does it for the Mura, for example. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I'll, I'll, look, the classic uh, certification, uh, there's a lot of talk about that and debate. Where do you they, pay for that? Yeah, you certainly pay for it. That's a, I think it's a one-off fee and then it's a yearly thing to update it. So it's only valid for that year apparently. Okay. So, uh, so you've got to take it back and go through the main dealer to get that done. And it's, I think it's quite expensive. And... The reason behind it is it add value to the car? Is it more for uh, that everything's authentic in place? Is it? Yeah. Why would people get it done? 
I think it is for the value and and knowing they might you know and them being comfortable that their car is classic certified. I'm not sure how stringent it is because I've heard that some of the things they let go that's not quite original and whatever. So I don't know enough about that. We should look into that. We'll look into that. We'll get some info on that. Yeah, we'll get some info and talk about that in another episode. But that's certainly a a different level as well. The classic department. Yeah, Yeah, I see that. There's a four um, an F40 for sale. And it comes with a big, thick binder of classic information. Yeah. So the detail they go to in documenting your car is unbelievable. And, and almost, almost like the Ferrari app, which I don't know if you ended up downloading, I did, where I, you put yes. in your VIN number yep. and it tells you what your car, how it was delivered. That's, that's phenomenal. That's great. Yeah, but I think they, because I looked it up on mine, but mine are too old and they don't okay. have everything on, uh, I think you've got to go, and request that through the Ferrari dealers to well, get. Didn't you have a, a secret meeting with someone over in Ferrari to just check what the colour of I, was? I of did your actually. Car? Well, I did actually ask when I was in the classic department, and the the guide said, "Look, I'll ask the supervisor or the the manager there." And he was kind enough to look up on his computer. Didn't find it on the first computer because it was a seventy four. Even though my seventy four Dino is is now red, it was apparently came out of the factory in uh, white. Polar white. Uh, Yeah, bianco polo, Mm. I think. Um, So one day you never know. Yeah. But anyway, Ori, I think um, for our first episode, I think we'll leave it there. Uh, hopefully the listeners um, well, enjoy I think there's it. so much to talk about. There is a lot to talk about. We do get sidetracked. I mean, we are passionate. <laughs> we're car enthusiasts after all. And we're going to have some guests from time to time. You know, hopefully we'll get... Uh, Mario wants... Yeah, yeah we want to have a chat with Mario. Yeah, and maybe uh, someone with an, a different classic car and give them their perspective of why they've bought theirs or what they're doing well, I think your brother's it. got a, an old Mustang, Yeah, he? he's got a Mustang, 65 Mustang that he's always, he likes the American muscle cars. I'll say no problems. Uh, don't worry about the straight line. We'll go through the hills. I'll tell you who'll win. But anyway, so yeah, we'll sign off. And uh, Ori, it was uh, good having this chat. No, thanks, uh, Mick. Always good uh, to talk to a Ferrariista. Yeah. So we'll speak next time. All right. Bye-bye. See you guys. Bye.